Welcome back to Talking Wolves. My name is Matthew Cooper, and of course, I'm joined by, as ever, Dave as a party. Dave, how are you, son? I'm very well, thank you, mate. Looking forward to this one again today. Certainly are. We're in a steam company again with former Wolves player David Jones. David, how are you? Very well, thank you. Yeah, thanks, guys, for having me on. No, Wicky's great, to, mate. Great to see you on the channel again. Thanks, thanks for coming. So, I think we'll what we do with with everyone who, who comes on. We start at the very beginning of the career and. You came through the ranks at United, didn't you? From I mean, you, you were, were you signed at around ten? Yeah. Um, so yeah, young lad. Um, I grew up in just over the border in North Wales. So yeah, it was a fantastic opportunity for me to be able to join such a big club at a young age, and yeah, I had a fantastic time there. What does it feel like as a, as, as a as a young lad when a team like Manchester United come calling? Is it was it, is there a lot of pressure being in the academy as 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 as, as, as a youngster because they're not, you know, they're not a Warsaw, they're not, they're not a small club. They're absolutely massive. So I, I, as a kid, how do you deal with that? Yeah, great question. Um, I think, yeah, there was a lot of, there was a lot of competition for places. You know, every year it was one of those that you got told whether or not you were going to continue for the following year, which for a young boy, I suppose it is a lot of pressure, but it's kind of all, you know, as far as I can remember, it's all I've been used to is is, is competition and, um, you know, fighting for your place uh, in competitive sports. So, yeah, I'd say, you know, looking back, maybe it was, uh, it was yeah, very competitive um, and also, yeah, quite pressurised, really, for such a young boy. But it was just part of it. And you expect that at a club like uh, Man United. Yeah, and like like you said, it's pressurised. And do you do you feel like being in in the youth setup at, at Manchester United? Do you feel like because of the sheer size of the club and there's so many eyes on you more so than there would be at other clubs? Do you feel like that gave you a really good grounding to give a a, a fantastic footing in what's been a fantastic professional career? Yeah, for a number of reasons at Man United. You know, I always talk about. Um, how good the coaching was there, you know. I've experienced a lot of clubs since, and um, you know the 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 lessons I learned, and not just the, not just the lessons on a football um, basis. You know, to as a human being, um, they had really high standards, and you know, for my football education, it was brilliant, but also just education on how to carry yourself as a young lad. Um, yeah, was was absolutely brilliant. And the thing at Man United, although it was such a big club. You always felt that um, you were part of something. Even as such a young yeah. lad, I remember, you know, the first time I put the United kit on, um, you know, Alex Ferguson would be, you know, not too far away. He'd sometimes watch training, you know, you'd catch him watching an under-12s, under thirteen session, coming across and watching the games on a Sunday morning if, if they were in the first team. So, you know, you, you always felt as if, you know, even at that young age, at 13, you felt if I show him something... You know, he might remember me. So you always felt that with the tradition at Man United, you always had a chance of getting in the first team, although there was obviously a lot of competition. Yeah. And like especially especially with Fergie, he always he always liked to blood younger players through, didn't he? Obviously, if you were good enough. What was it like being at Man United with, with Ferguson in charge? Because for me, he's he's up there with Guardiola as one of the, the and, and Wenger, one of the, the best ever in, to ever grace the Premier League. Or even European football. What was it like just being being around the bloke? Was he? Were you in awe of his presence every time you saw him? Or <laughs> yeah, you were. Um, you know, even to the time I left at twenty one, you know, he was he was a formidable character, and um, you know, he, he 
all the success he had, you you hung on his every word when he was talking to you. you know he just made such a lasting impression on me. As I said, from a young boy, you know, I've got a photograph at age eleven where it's with our under 11s team. You know, he's posing in a photo with us. So, as I said, just to reiterate the point, you always felt a part of something that he was bothered about your development as a, as a footballer and as a as, as a as a young boy. And you know, you got to know him better as you know, I went full time in, into into football, and um, you know work my way up through uh, youth team and reserve team football and eventually training with the first team. So you got to experience a lot of what he was about. And I still carry those, you know, messages and um, and words of advice um, to this day. What were sort of, who were the players in and around that squad when you were at United, uh, Dave, in terms of your level, like your age level? Were there any big, anyone in that group of players that you were playing with at United that went on to have successful careers? Yeah, um, you know, Man United, lucky that a lot of um, a lot of young lads ended up having good careers. But my particular youth team, we won the Youth Cup yeah. in 2003 and um, part of that team, we had... Well, we had Luke Steele in goal, who's had a good career, you know, for, for a lot of clubs. And um, Phil Bardsley, he's still playing in the Premier League with Burnley. Um, Paul McShane. Um, Kieran Richardson was my centre midfield partner. Uh, Chris Eagles. Uh, Sylvain Ebanklay. Go on, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a player, yeah. <laughs> I hope I haven't forgotten anyone, but um, yeah, there was, uh, there was a lot of a lot of strength there at such a young age, you know. And these players have gone on, and it, you know, Tom Heaton, um, he was he's a year younger than me, but he was he was yeah. on the bench for the for the youth team. Luke Steele played, and Tom was a year younger than Luke, so uh, he was on the bench. So um, yeah, there's, there was a number of us in that particular year that, had, that have gone on to have long careers in the game. It's quite obviously quite a strong team there. So it's, I love to put like some of those still playing as well. Like you said, like Bardi still at yeah. still at Burnley, still still going strong. When when, when you made your de- debut, David, was it again? Was it Arsenal in the League Cup? Yeah, yeah. Um, come as on a sub, didn't you? How, yeah. And Old Trafford. How, what did that feel like? Was that overwhelming? Yeah, it was. It was just an amazing um, feeling, you know. I was running on adrenaline. Obviously, I think I was warming up for the entire game, trying to get off. Um, <laughs> you know, I can't remember the exact round it was. And it was in the cup, um, and I think we it might have been the quarters against Arsenal. So it was a big game. Yeah. Um, and we were only winning by the one goal, I think, at the time. And uh, yeah, came on as well. It was a it was a defensive corner that I came on, which. Never happens. I'm at the far post and I see the ball being hung up to the far post. It's going to land on my head. I just about did enough to get it to get it away, I think. And uh, yeah, just um, and then just enjoyed the last 10 minutes that I had on the last 10, 15 minutes. I think I remember um, uh, taking out a couple of Arsenal players and got a few cheers from the crowd just for doing a few <laughs> Um, so we just so we just ran around, got a few touches, ended up we end, we won the game. So yeah, so I was happy. Job done. In that United t- team at the to- at the time, yeah. who was who was like the st- the standout player or standout players? Were you like wow, like he's a serious serious player? Because Scalzi was there at the time, wasn't he? 
Rolsey, um, Roy Keane, you know, these guys were the oh. ones that were in front of me when I first started to train. You know, you had Rio Ferdinand at the back, Vida Vidic, um, Evra, you know, Gary Neville, Van der Sar in goal, Van Nistelrooy, Ronaldo. You know, th- this was a proper team, you know. So, was, so to be able to learn from these guys and be training with them every day, you know, I had a couple of years training with them, went on pre-season tours, um, with them so um yeah it was it was it was difficult and you had to be on it every day uh, the standards were so high um but it was just an experience that stood me in good stead for the remainder of my career really to 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 try and uphold those standards you mentioned ronaldo there he would have been he would have been a young lad when he at that point yeah. wouldn't he yeah. Was he what is he like thirty five now something like that did you did yeah. you know at the time obviously training with him and playing with him that it was going absolutely to the top. I think you can never really tell. Obviously, he was a Man United player, so you're pretty near the top, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but what I think probably everybody knows is work ethic is, um, you know, right up there. And it was there to, you know, for me to witness. I'd often stay, stay after training, you know, as a young lad trying to improve myself, and he'd be out there as well you know, doing free kicks all the time, um, you know, pretty much invented that that technique of um, taking a free kick, didn't he? And he was, you know, yeah. he was showing me as he was almost developing it, really, what he used to do. Um, so that was quite fascinating, you know, to see a couple of years later that he's he's ended up, you know, scoring loads from it throughout his whole career. So... And a lot of other players have followed in his footsteps, copying that t- technique. But um, yeah, his his talent. You know, I want to say talent, but you know, he was a guy that just worked extremely hard. His feet were so quick, but he worked at it. Um, he had his worked at his set his, his set plays. Worked on his left foot. So when he's when he was out, on, sometimes on the left, he could take players down the outside and then be able to dink stand the ball up to the far post, almost Matt Jarvis style. Um, he, <laughs> um, he wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> but his intelligence, his intelligence, you could see him improving. You know, you guys would have seen it, you know, um, in the games. You know, at first he, he he was known as, you know, a bit of a showboater. But then, um, you know, he, he gradually developed to have an end product all the time because that's what you need at you know man united you don't stay there that long if you if you're just a showboater so um yeah you could tell that he had obviously the ability but the work ethic is what's put him right up there you had a couple of interesting low moves as well whilst you were still at manchester united one in particular obviously over to holland as well was that um was that like one of the united's like affiliate clubs at the time because i think a couple of united players went there didn't they for a little bit they did after i went um they used to go to um uh, Antwerp, quite a that few. That was the one, yeah. Royal Antwerp, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but um, I had a close relationship with Rene uh, Mullerstein, um, right, yeah. the Dutch coach. Um, yeah, he was, he's assistant of Australian national team now, but ended up being the first team coach United as well. But at the time, he used to work um, with me on an individual basis. Um, we used to, you know, do extra training, and he used to. Um, teach me all the repertoire of skills that you needed as a centre midfielder. So I'd had the first part of the season in the championship um, with Preston, which, you know, 
15 or 16 years ago in the championship it was quite you know he was even he was more physical more um, kind of frantic and chaotic than it can be now obviously the the style has changed slightly but I just just felt United wanted me to have more of a football experience in the second half of the season so that's why I went out to Holland and experienced their Premier League which was a great opportunity to play against the top clubs and to learn just a you know the football inside of things a bit more than I did perhaps in the championship at that moment of time in my career so I was trying to get a, a rounded experience from that season to be able to come back and try and get some more appearances in this in the United first team so that was the thought behind going going out there which is what Rene sorted for me because he had contacts in uh, yeah. Holland yeah obviously a great learning curve for you did, did you feel like is it a little bit of a culture shock going out there because no, it's a it's a, it's a big ask for a, a a young a young player from from England to then go and say right right you're off you're off for Ireland for for a year. Was it was it was it daunting or did you just like right this is my job and just just got on with it? Because I'd imagine for, for, if you said that to me like you're going to work in Holland for a year, I'd be like bloody hell. <laughs> um, I can remember being nervous about it because I always yeah. felt under pressure in terms of that if you go out on loan and you don't produce, then. Yeah you're not really going to come back and push into United's first team. You know, you had to really be on top of your game and come back almost making headlines. So, <clears throat> so at Preston, I felt I had a good half of the season, showed I could deal with the physicality and, you know, scored a few goals, played a lot of games. Um, and going out to Holland, like you said, could be, you know, I did. I felt nervous, but more about the performance side of things. I wanted to make an impact that I was unsure, you know, you don't know. There's, there's examples of lads going on loan to foreign clubs, and the manager f- just doesn't want to play you, and you end up sitting on the bench for six months. Um, you know, I, I've got mates who did that, um, so they were kind of the concerns in terms of going out there. You know, a lot of um, people in Holland uh, speak English, um, so in terms of a culture shock, it wasn't too bad. And you know, what I felt in my career, you could, yeah you know, and in my life that if the foot, if I enjoy my football, then you could put me on the moon and I'd still have a good time. <laughs> so, like, so that, that was my thoughts really. The thing that it was going well on the pitch. I like the players, you know, um, I was playing, I like the style of football. So, you know, although it wasn't around my family and friends and, did, you know, my dad and family did come over. Um, but, but it was more a case of that the, because the football was good. Um, I just loved it. Yeah. And obviously after that, you had a little loan stint at Derby, I think. But when did you know, uh, David, in your career that, you know, your time at Manchester United was coming to an end? Was it something the club had sort of nudged at you or did you sort of just know personally that you're going to have to move and leave the club for the good of your own career? Um, yeah, good question. Um because in that pre-season after coming back from Holland, I'd had a good pre-season, um, involved with the first team, had been on the bench a few times in the Premier League and um, had a couple of cup appearances. And I think we played South End in the in the League Cup and we lost, it was away and we lost 1-0. I think South End might have been in the Championship at the time. And it was another ex-Wolves player, Freddie, Freddie Eastwood. Eastwood was Eastwood. Yeah, 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 I remember that. I remember, yeah. I remember, I remember that. It was on score, yeah, Freddie Eastwood. Yeah. So, he, yeah, he put one in the top corner, I think, um, from a free kick. And, uh, yeah, they, they they beat us. So, um, and then I think the next day, I 
either the next day or a couple of days later, the manager called me in his office and said that we'd accepted a, they'd accepted a bid from Derby for me. So um, that literally sort of tells you all you need to know, really, as a young yeah. lad. If they're accepting a bid and telling you that you're free to talk to them if you want to, then I wasn't one to just stick around once I knew that, that you know the writing was on the wall with that. So, yeah, very, very difficult but also yeah. very difficult to leave uh, the club of being there from age 10, but also an easy one because I kind of knew that if they're accepting a yeah. bid, then that's... We're in their plans. Were you a United fan from young age, David? Or more, would you be more Liverpool over that side? <laughs> um, well, yeah, go, going back, um, I was pretty much going to sign for Liverpool at age 10 and United came in late doors for me. And... Um, I didn't really have any interest to go in there, but it was just the one I went there. They just won me over with, with how I felt about the club and the training and things like that. So, so yeah. So I wasn't a United fan until I until I played for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, you, you, like you said, you moved to Derby. There, a bit of a reported of around a million pound. How was your time at Derby? Because I know it included the the, the time in the Premier League, which yeah. most people know it's, wasn't wasn't a great a great time for Derby, but. Yeah. How how was your time at Derby? Because it was under Billy Davis, wasn't it? Who you were at Preston yeah. with? Yeah. yeah, yeah, right, yeah. So it was Billy mm. Davis again. He was a manager that put so much belief in me when I was at Preston. Um, felt he was a big supporter of me. And um, that was shown with coming in for me again um, to bring me to Derby. So um, really positive with him. Learned so much from him. He was he was brilliant manager for me. And um the first season, you know, we went up, um, couldn't have gone any better. We weren't really expected to go up, but we had a push and got through the, beat, through the playoffs. Beat the Albion, didn't you? Beat the Albion in the playoff final. It's always great for us to <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, so that was a good experience. Um, yeah, uh, played at Wembley. So we were all on a high and it was a difficult, it was, it was, a, it was yeah, it was, you know, it was a really good season and, when we came back for pre-season, it was a difficult pre-season, really. There was certain kind of rumours and certain feeling around the club that it wasn't as um, happy as it was when we left Wembley six weeks earlier. So in terms of the recruitment that we were bringing in um, and just, just you get that vibe from the manager and the staff that maybe there wasn't a great relationship anymore between the, between the, um, the owners or the board and the manager. Um, so these were just these were just feelings, and um, yeah, as it, as it sort of developed, um, yeah, the season didn't start that great, um, but it was still early doors, and Billy, you know, lost his job um, fairly early in the season, really, when we certainly weren't out of touch at all. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just certainly a difficult uh, Premier League season um, when the new manager came in. There was a lot of changes of players. A lot of the players who'd done well the previous season um, left the club as well. Um, so yeah, it, it was all it was all a disjointed feeling to the squad, to the club. Didn't seem like there was that cohesion anymore that there was the previous season. So yeah, just very disappointing, and obviously yeah, ended up being a, a disaster season uh, in the Premier League. And um, yeah, what wasn't wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't a happy time, I'd say, of, yeah. of course. Um, but yeah, it came to the end of the season and um, 
although my relationship with the manager was fine. I didn't play as much at all as I, I wanted to or I had the previous season, but my relationship was fine with him. Uh, but he said he'd, he'd, he'd had, uh, he's got plans for the next season and um, if I got an offer that I wanted to take, then I could move on. Did you, did you think it was crucial for you, David, to to move on? Were you, were you happy enough to stay at Derby or did you think that that season sort of almost, not damaged you, but, you know, you know, almost... You you needed something for the good of your career to to move on as quick as you could. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Looking back, I, you know, I was just looking at um, the situation at the time, really, uh, where yeah. the manager wasn't exactly a big fan of me. Because through, he did start to play me towards the end of the season, but initially, he certainly didn't. And um, so, yeah, for me personally. You know, as a player, you certainly want to be um, playing and be one of one of the players that the manager wants to play. So when I got that feeling that he he thought I was a good lad, good professional, and could have stayed at the, you know, he said, you know, I'll have you here at the club, but it's going to be wholesale changes. You may not play this kind of thing. So, so yeah, it's about time that you move on. Although, you know. What I've got to say about Derby is that it is a really good club and the fans, I had a really good relationship with the fans and still do to this day and I've got still got friends over there. So although it was, it was was my time was tainted with that second season, um, yeah. I still have fond memories of it because it was it was a good, mm. good time. Yeah. And then, of course, after Derby, you came and joined Wolverhampton Wanderers. How did that feel when a club like Wolves, obviously you've been at United, they're a huge club. How did it feel when... When Wolves came calling, and, and and more importantly, when you you got the call off, big Mick McCarthy. <laughs> yeah, really special. You know, like you said, Mick McCarthy was the manager, um, big personality. You know, huge respect for him. But yeah, just Wolves as a club. You know, it just feels like a a big club when you walk through the door. You you know, Molyneux is a special stadium. The training grounds, you know, good facilities, and just around the town, whenever you. You know, whenever you walk around there, you know you're really in the in the hub of it. You can't get away from it when you you know you've got fans everywhere. Everybody, you know, is a great supporter of the club, and um, it was one of the one of the few times when I actually lived within a couple of miles of the stadium. Really, I lived in Tettenhall, and um, I was really immersed in it. So, although sometimes that can be a, you know a bad thing in terms of you, you can't switch off. You know, yeah. if you walk down the street and you're gonna you're gonna get a pint of milk from the shop, you bump into a Wolves fan, and um, you know you you have a discussion with them and and things. But sometimes you wanna you wanna switch off from the, the you know a game or this and that. But I, I found it that's why I've got really special memories of my time at Wolves because um, I was immersed in it in 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 wanting to do well for the club. For um, for the town, I got a real sense of the feeling of the size of the club and just what what it meant to all the fans. So so it was, it was a really special time. I'll say yeah, big up techno. That's where I live as well. So all the <laughs> all the Portuguese boys around here now. I think back in right. McCarthy's days, everyone was quite scattered around, weren't they? Still, yeah. a lot of the uh, Portuguese boys are all around here now. But uh, how did uh, McCarthy's first contact come about, uh, David? Because Matt Jarvis had a glamorous story about how Mick flew him over to Portugal. Was yours as glamorous as that, or did you have to meet him in Wolverhampton? I I met um, Mick McCarthy at a hotel at Manchester Airport, actually. I think he'd oh, been okay. on a holiday. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
so yeah, it was, um, I'd had contact with him for for a couple of weeks. Um, knew that, knew that you know Wolves um, definitely wanted to sign me, and it was just really just meeting the manager and having a chat and getting that kind of rapport and feeling of whether you want to come to the club and whether he want you know whether he likes me as a character to to come and do a job for him. So. It was just a brief meeting, but yeah, we we got on well, and immediately had that. You know, he he's one. You know, you talk about Ferguson having that kind of aura about him and yeah. presence, and uh, I think Mick McCarthy certainly has that. Was was there any other clubs in for you at the time, David? Or was it just Wolves? And 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 if there were, why Wolves? Um, I can't. At the time, it was the jump out club to me that um, that I. That I wanted to go to, if I'm honest. Um, so my agent, what you, how it usually works is that yeah, my agent um, mentioned a few options. Um, but yeah, in terms of putting their money where their mouth is and putting an offer in uh, <laughs> for me to for me to move from Derby, it was it was Wolves. So you know there was other interest, but when they go and do that, and it was as I said, it was the it was the standout club of which I wanted to join. So it was pretty. Um, Pretty easy decision in terms of that. I think Wolves had that little bit of momentum at the time as well, didn't they? Did okay the season before, and I think for you, were your plans when you joined the club? Obviously, I'm not sure if Mick would uh, would would say exactly, but did you joining the club know that the club had a, a good chance of possibly getting promoted back to the Premier League? Yeah, yeah, great point. Um, I I knew that Wolves were interested towards the end of the season, so. You know, you you tend to just look a bit closer at the team and look, watch the games as much as possible. And um, you saw that Wolves, yeah, were definitely a club that they just missed out on the playoffs the previous season, as you said. Um, I remember watching that Charlton game. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, with Carl Henry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, slid in at the far post. I thought he was like a goal scoring midfielder at the time. <laughs> not, not the case at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, as you said, momentum from the from the previous season. But they played really well. Like that, you know, when I was watching them, I just thought, like, this is a good team. They've got some good players in there, young and hungry young players. Yeah. That kind of mould. So yeah, I was. I think I was twenty three at the time. So perfect for me. So um, yeah, I was excited. Mm-hmm. What was it, what was the culture like at the time around around the training ground and Molyneux? Because every everyone we've had we've had on from from the era that you played, Matt Jarvis and and Greg Alford, they said that it was just a, a, a joy to be around the, the stadium, the ground with all the all the all the players you had, and with McCarthy as manager. Was it was that the case for you as well? Yes, definitely, one hundred percent. I've still got you know good mates. Like one of my best mates is Carl uh, Henry. Um, learned a lot from him as a player, like so much, honestly. Like, he was uh, so underrated, Carl was. He was yeah, so, yeah. so underrated. And a lot of fans gave him a hard time for, just I think being a little bit outspoken, but he was so underappreciated for the job he did at Wolves, I think. Certainly outspoken, that's for sure. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, he, but I've never, you know, met somebody that just, he, he just tries to do the right thing for everybody. So in terms of like mm. a captain, I'm telling you, he was so good because he used to, he's self-sacrificing. He used to put himself 
in the firing line for the sake of other players. And, you know, that was a massive reason why we did so well as a team and had that great team spirit where, you know, I've been to clubs and I know this is just a simple thing, but whenever we did something as a team, everybody was there, you know, and that to me just shows that, you know, it's not exactly my bag going on nights out with the team, but you felt that you wanted to be there, you enjoyed it, you enjoyed everybody's company. Um, there was a mix of the young and hungry and some experienced players as well. And it was just such a good atmosphere. And I just think that Carl managed to gel everybody together. Um, and I just think there was a number of other experienced players that just had, were so good characters that, that it, yeah, it was just... It was just um, it was just brilliant to be around and, and definitely part of the success. I was going well, to ask I mean, you a question. Sorry, I was going to ask you a question about Carl Henry, but I think I want to know about these team night out uh, nights out now. To be fair, <laughs> I asked um, I asked Matt Jarvis about Christmas parties uh, when we spoke to him. Was there any crazy stories from those? Because he said he had a couple of fancy, wacky, fancy dress ideas. David, what 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 do you reckon your best uh, best attempt was at a fancy dress at a Christmas party? <laughs> Yeah, that's, I used to hate that. That was the worst part. Of it. <laughs> it was that. Was that not you, David? Were you not not saying you were sort of like almost like a, you know? Were you not sociable really, or did you not really enjoy that side of things outside of football? Um, I I I would say that I did. Well, Wolves is probably the biggest social circle I've ever had in football in terms of right. Okay. In terms of um, spending time with players. Um. But actually enjoying it, and I think probably again I'm going to make Carl Emery was probably just dragging me out um, all the time. But yeah, but I suppose this is the Carl used to say that um, they used to call me. He used to call me like Cinderella because when it turned twelve o'clock, he was expecting me to turn into a pumpkin so I'd be home <laughs> to go home. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so so yeah, it was just a case of um, he just he. He was just, he was just some. Carl was just someone who um, would just reiterate to me the importance of um, showing your face and being out there for the team. Because it's because you know, as a footballer, you can be very selfish um, in terms of your own performance. Not, not that you know, on the pitch, I've, you know, I, I would give everything for the team and, and wouldn't be a selfish player. But um, just perhaps I was, you know, pretty driven and pretty selfish to to do what I wanted to do as opposed to um, doing what's good for the team. And, yeah, there's a lot of messages in that. You may not think it, but looking back, I think there was a lot of lot of things that I, I took on in my career that as an experienced player, to be able to mix with everybody in the team um, is an important part of uh, building a team spirit. We've we've heard that Sylvan Ebanks Blake liked a bit of a party. Can you confirm if that's the case or not? <laughs> well, as I said, I was owned by twelve, so <laughs> I never knew. Uh... Never really get to see the back end of the night. So <laughs> I can't well, was 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 there many players like yourself like you don't didn't really enjoy the night nights out that much because. It seemed when when Java was talking about it, like everybody was just <laughs> just loved being on the piss. <laughs> <laughs> I think it didn't seem like we had too many, but I mean, um, it was kind of one of those that when they got the opportunity to do so, then then uh, then they would. So it was, it was kind of that mentality of 
work hard, play hard. But, you know, we're, we're still talking, it was only, you know, how many years ago now? 13, 12, 13 yeah. years ago. So, you know, it was still pretty professional. It wasn't like you know, 40 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, at which point in that season did you not know, but had a very good feeling that, you were going to go, well, for me, it was the 5-1 against Forrest at home. That was early doors as well, wasn't it? That, yeah. David's uh, goal as well, still one of my favourite games ever at Molyneux. Yeah. Was, that, was it around that point where you thought, we've got a good chance here? Or did you just try and keep yourself grounded? No, I think we just blew him away. And um, it was just just a delight to play in that game. Just everything came off in the first half, didn't yeah. it? And we just showed a lot of everything. You know, we played some good football like pace, like Jarvo was just absolutely on fire down down that side. You know, Kites was chopping in and putting it in the top bin with his left foot. Yeah. You know, Chris Iwilumu was such a target man and you know Sylvan as well. It just worked really well. We were just in in uh you know all just had a really good game that day and like you said, I think it was just before an international break and it was just such a statement uh to just blow them away. And yeah, I think as a team, we saw, we thought we never went into a game that season thinking that we weren't a better team. You know, we we did have a bit of a blip, I remember, of a period yeah. in that season where confidence was a bit low and we weren't scoring and weren't um, weren't winning games. But we never, we always felt that we were the best team in the league that year. Is there any? Were there any games from that season, David, that stand out to you? Other than that Forest game, are there any other games where you know if someone asks you about that season, there's always one game that sort of always comes to mind for you? Um, well, it's a pretty obvious one in terms of the promotion. Uh, well, when when we secure promotion, um, yeah. at Molyneux. Um, QPR I think it was, was it? QPR, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was an amazing day. Um, I've been lucky in my career to have, you know, a few of those days. But um, yeah, it was certainly to, you know, to to do it to do it at Molyneux and um, to celebrate with the fans after, you know, being in the stand and seeing the whole pitch, you know, full of fans and um, yeah, it was just it was just such a special moment uh, and um, yeah, it's one that I'll always remember. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I was only, I'm 24 now, so I would have only been a, a nipper at the time. I absolutely loved that because that's like one of the first seasons that I properly vividly remember and remember also taking in the football that we played and just, just how good we were. And I, like I said, that 5-1 against Forest was just, it's still one of my favourite games ever. It was just a joy to watch. But moving on, obviously, we got promoted to the Prem. That first season in, in the Prem, what, what were your expectations as, as a player and also as a squad? Was it simply survival or let's just try and get as far up the table as we can? Because I think that was the highest finish we had under under Mick, wasn't it? The 15th, 15th place, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I think it's difficult for any uh, newly promoted team to be able to stay in the Premier League. So initially, you've got to just look at survival, I think. Mm. Um, but, you know, Mick and the staff, they weren't limiting us to thinking just about survival. That's never, you never go first yeah. day, let's just survive. Um, but we grew as the grew as the season went on. There wasn't a lot of Premier League experience at all in the, in the, in the team. So, um, 
yeah, we certainly felt as we we built momentum in the second half of the season from you know kind of Jan, Jan Feb time and and felt we were always going to stay up. We always seemed to nudge ourselves just above the drop zone, and I think we had some good performances and and um, yeah, it was it was enjoyable. Yeah, for me personally, in the first half of the season, I got injured and. Um, with a with a bad knee injury actually, so um, yeah. I struggled for appearances then. But then I managed to get back in the team uh, after Christmas, and uh, yeah, really enjoyed my time because um, I'd act. You know, I was playing in a further up the field uh, role just behind Doyler. Um, <laughs> you know, which um, you know, not many people would see me as a as almost a number ten just behind the striker, but. I used to like getting in those little pockets and, you know, Doyle would make, always be a willing runner so you could slide him in down the sides or, um, you know, put Java out wide or kite. So I really enjoyed that position. It, it was I, I felt it, it kind of worked well with uh, Carl being uh, an Adlin at times, wasn't it, um, as the two sitters? Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I mean, that season... You scored a great goal. I think it was against Spurs, was it? Really good move. And um, <clears throat> that was just a pick. I mean, we'll talk about the other goal, which I think a lot of people know what we're talking about. But that goal against Spurs was... I, I, I can't believe that's not spoke about more, to be honest, because that was a fantastic move and probably one that you wouldn't expect maybe from a Mick McCarthy side. Was that something no. that you worked on a lot in the training? Just keep all, keeping the possession like that? And was that the number 10 role, you sort of running in late to the box to, to put it in the back of the net? Yeah, spot on. Um, we did, you know, in, in training, probably you think Mick McCarthy's always doing defensive work and, you know, structured work and things like that. And we did have the structure, but a lot of it yeah. was possession based on playing good football. He would, you know, I never felt he kept the reins on, on his midfielders. He always wanted one to sit and one to go if he played with a two, but he would give licence to get forward and get in the box and... Um, and yeah, we we did work on a lot of possession in training. We had some good players, um, mm. players that wanted to play football and get on the ball. Um, so yeah, that was just a, a great move. It doesn't happen every week, but um, yeah, it came off. I can't remember how many passes it was, but it was it was 18, such a good. I think move. it was eighteen. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, think yeah. It was 18, yeah. Yeah. I was watching it earlier again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of good movement in there. I've actually watched that goal back with kind of my coaching head on, just mm. trying to see a lot of the good movement and, you know, rotations from us in midfielders and, and Java or White Jinkin and then putting in a decent cross and, and the late run for myself. So there was loads of things in that. There was such a good move and that was yeah. that was part of TC as well and Mick McCarthy's coaching. That's what we miss now though, like a light run from the midfielder into the box. <laughs> we're, we're crying. We'll, we'll probably come on to us at the minute a bit later, but we were crying out for, I watched that run and I thought, bloody hell, if one of our midfielders made that run now, we'd be a lot of fun at the table. <laughs> <laughs> Who was your uh, favourite midfield partner, David? It's maybe, you know, let's talk, say you're in the, the middle two. Was Carl Henry the one for you? Because he was almost that anchor behind. If you missed the ball, he, he was like a brick wall at times, wasn't he? He was going to win it back for you. Yeah, and like I said earlier, I learned so much from him from a defensive point of view, uh, that's for sure. You know, it hadn't really come into my you know consciousness really before about, obviously I've been taught principles and things about defensive responsibilities, but he just, he really enjoys the defensive part of it. You know, I probably say I, I do it and as, a, as my um, career 
went on after after Wolves. It was a part of my game that I really worked on and really, really refined. Really, so so I had a lot of good uh, defensive traits. But he just taught me the importance of it, and I learned so many lessons from him. So we we had a good rapport off off the pitch as well, as I've said. Um, but I think what works well as a midfield pair is that when one isn't um, isn't trying to claim all the limelight, so yeah, yeah. you'll share the ball. You'll share the ball in terms of that. At times, you know, you want to you want to take more touches on the ball and maybe find that forward pass. But then there's other times where you just need to pass it square to your mate because he'll return the favour to keep you involved and keep a rhythm in the game. And I just think sometimes that's that's overlooked that sometimes these midfield partnerships aren't there as much anymore uh, because you usually get one definite sitter yeah. who sits in front and then you maybe get one who's more of the attacking one when you'd probably say I was slightly more attacking, but yeah. I wasn't, um, I wasn't, you know, Carl would also try to break forward and we he'd be the more defensive ones a bit, but we used to share it out. But yeah, like I said, we'd, we'd share the ball between each other. So, um, so yeah, I never felt that he was trying to overshadow me, or or you know, vice versa. What was um, what was Nenad Milias like to play with, and also what was he like as, as a character? Because Wolves fans see him as like this cult hero, purely because I think he didn't really, I don't think he did an interview in his time. And <laughs> I put you and Nenad in the same category under a, as, as, as cultured left foot. What was um, what what was he like to play with? What was he like as a bloke? Um, yeah, he's a bloke. Yeah, liked him. Really, really nice guy. Um, he had a really good left foot as well, as you said. Yeah. You know, slightly different to me. It was, you know, we had more of that kind of like hammer shot that um, yeah. I was probably looking more of a whip or um, yeah, more yeah. Of a controlled strike if I was, you know, striking it. So he had that kind of real hammer foot that would. You know, make the ball move perhaps a bit more. Um, but yeah, so we, so we had ability that's with his left foot, of course. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't run, though. <laughs> Would not run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I well, know he's up. Was there many of those in training, David? Just did he do that in training? Was he lazy in training as well? Were there many players like that? Or, um, no, not under Mick McCarthy's reign. No, I was going to say under Mick, no. no. I mean, that's probably one of the reasons we stayed up for how long we did, though. He just got everyone like working 110%, like 99% of the games, didn't he, most of the time? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I don't think there's, there was the funds at all available that you've got at the moment. Um, yeah. So his style of management and style of coaching was that the, you know, the minimum requirements, maximum effort, and that's just just what you do when you go on the pitch. So, you know, you can see that you want to, when you go to the Premier League, you want to try and bring more quality, don't you? So, yeah. um, you know, Nenad certainly had, um, certainly had quality. You know, he could pick a pass, yeah. he had good vision, um, he had a good shot, had great delivery. Uh, but, you know, maybe if he could, if he, if he could run box to box, <laughs> <laughs> um, he, would have, he would have been maybe, yeah. uh, a top, not a not a top four club or something. Do you know what I mean at the time? Yeah. Um, yeah. So he, you know, he was missing 
missing that. Technical ability was great, wasn't it? He, he yeah, really good yeah. technically, wasn't he? Yeah, he I was, think yeah. I think he, I think Mick said like he what he wasn't as good as as he'd hoped, which I thought I thought was a bit harsh because I, I I really like watching him play. But we'll we'll go on to that free kick against Stoke, and you've probably been asked about it millions and millions of times. But I'm going to ask you again: Had you worked on that in training? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. Um, I don't know if you remember, but Mick McCarthy used to. We used to use it under Mick McCarthy a lot, in even in wide areas. So yeah. you know, the kind of free kicks that you get that are within the width for the eighteen-yard box, but in a wide area. So yeah, from yeah. those positions, it's very difficult to be able to cross it into the box and get somebody's. You know, get it really pinpoint because you've got to whip it in with pace and. You know, if you get it half a foot too high or too low, then if it's yeah. too low, the defender gets it. If it's too high, it just whizzes out of play. So, you know, Mick McCarthy came up with to use the flicker in the wide positions uh, because you get that different flight on the ball where you can dip it, can't you? So, yeah. and it's it's difficult to judge um, as a defender. I think you can really get some pace on it. Anyway, so. We, we had tried it on a number of occasions in those positions. And, you know, I used to get a bit of stick from the Wolves fans a little bit for you. Um, and I thought it was effective. You know, I'm telling you, it was effective. We would, but, you know, maybe the, a lot of Wolves fans just didn't like it at the time and, you know, or, or whatever. So, but we persisted with it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I didn't have any... I didn't have any free kicks directly in front of the the box, so I didn't get a chance to shoot any time at goal with it. But I knew that from that position, right outside the box, to be able to get it up and down over a tall stoke wall, it was the yeah. only technique that you could really use um, to use at pace. So, so yeah, it was a per for that type of free kick. It's the perfect uh, position on in, in terms of the box. I mean, it was it was like pinpointers. I was at like the free kick when the Premier League posted, and they every now and then you see the grade one uh, David Jones, Skinner David Jones popping that one in, into the back of the net. It's uh, it's a class goal. But was that something Mick came up, or was that with you as players sort of suggested it, or was that all all through Mick really? Well, in terms of using it um, at Wolves, um, yeah. I, I'll give the credit to Mick McCarthy for telling us he used to really push us to you to use it. Um, but it's it's actually something that I've used throughout my career, even as a young lad. And score, I've scored a number of occasions in schoolboy football, and youth football, and reserve football, and even in pre-season for other clubs. Um, so it is something that I always used to do. But at Wolves, you know, I've got to give the credit to Mick McCarthy for really encouraging to do it. Because you know, if I tried it once and then the manager said don't do it, then you can't yeah, do you it. Do. Can't, yeah, he was yeah. somebody who just, you know, and. and he probably, probably you guys wouldn't expect Mick McCarthy to be uh, pushing Great such a fanboy uh, <laughs> skill. <laughs> no. I used to love the long throws. I did for Greg Alford. That's a bit of me. I'm not the same size as Greg Alford. So it's just any flick-ons, any love that kind of football. Mate. Wouldn't expect Mick to be playing, flicking it up over the wall. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, there was like... Over the years, I think Wolves have seen it sort of in spells under certain managers, like different techniques and and so on. I think the one Matt you'll remember, uh, Ketspire, that free kick. That's a that's a great set Ketspire, piece. Yeah, 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 that's a great set piece as well. And I think as fans, when like you say, David, I think fans do get frustrated when you're trying things and maybe it's not quite working. Like at the moment, we're going through short short corners. 
which yeah. Matt will know fans fans hate them at the moment. Oh, I like Sean think, Cormac. Yeah, but when you know when when it comes off like that, it was open. It was the opening day of the season as well. Yeah. When 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 stuff like that comes off, you rub your hands together, thinking right, this, this we could have that little bit of luck this season if we if we pulling off stuff like that, we we might have a chance <laughs> this season. But I th- was was Mick did Mick push the set pieces quite heavily because I think as like you said earlier, with the lack of funds in certain areas. You know, you have to gain an advantage on some teams. Was that something that he pushed quite heavily in training? Yeah, he did. It wouldn't be something we do every day in training, but you know, I, I was I was taking a lot of the free kicks. So yeah. on a Friday, I felt under pressure to get it right. You know, day before the game, <laughs> I'm thinking free kicks better be on it today because he was he'd really expect good delivery, um, yeah. good runs, attacking the ball. And also defensively as well, you had to be on it. So, you know, I was going into training Friday. Prepare, I was preparing for Friday, like before Saturday, you know, like preparing for my free kicks mentally to try and make sure that they're right because he, he was, um, it's the most pressure I felt day before a game to get my free kicks, right? That's for sure. <laughs> so I probably didn't have that many chances at the time anyway. So obviously free kicks in and around the air was a great opportunity for to try and, try, try and nick a goal. Was there any games in, in, in the Prem? When you, when you play for Wolves, uh, you uh, have really fond memories. Of obviously, the Tottenham game where you scored. We 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 got some quite big scalps that season, didn't we? I mean, we've even beat beat United as well. Um, beat Chelsea. Was there any game that sticks out for you? Um, I think you just mentioned it there, the Tottenham one. Really, yeah. um, I had a bad spell with my injury, and I, can't, I think it was one of the first few Premier League games that I came back into. I I played um, against Crystal Palace in the Cup. I think I scored in that in January and then uh, got this Premiership start uh, for Tottenham. Um, And it was just one of those, I think it was a cold, um, kind of icy Snowy, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. snowy. And, um, you know, just to to score that goal, um, to win the game and to be playing uh, was just... It's just such a good feeling. You know, you, you play these games where, you, you know, detail, de- you, you can remember details about them. But with that game in particular, it's a feeling that I can still, you know, relate to now celebrating that goal, um, which is which is what sticks to me that makes these moments really special uh, is the emotion that you felt that night. Yeah, I was going to say, I've, I've been watching, obviously doing research, been watching your goals back all day. Look, I feel like I'm about to sign you. I've done that much research on you today. Might be able to do a job still in this team. I'm watching it back, like there's pure relation on your face. It's it w- wonderful to see again. Skinhead, grade one, David Jones. <laughs> not, not with the long flowing locks now. But um, it, Wolves offered you a new deal, didn't they? But if I'm right in thinking, you decided that it wasn't quite right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an unfortunate way in which the that my time at Wolves ended, really. I'll talk you through briefly what what happened. Yeah. So I'd had a, in, really enjoyed the season. Uh, it was that season um, before, the, before the Stoke goal. So the first season we stayed up. And... Um, yeah, they offered me a deal, which um, was for a certain length of time. And then we were just negotiating as usual. There was nothing. It, it was it was almost going to be a formality that I was going to sign. I, I was pretty 
pretty happy with everything. But then when I came back in pre-season, um, the the terms in terms of the length of contract had been reduced, um, which was a bit of a shock to me. And it was kind of relating to the 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 injury that I picked up the last season in terms of my knee. And Fet, you know, uh, I know, you know, football's a business, and um, from from the from the injury, there could have been. Um, you can kind of understand sometimes that um, they'd be concerned about it, especially with 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 my knee uh, being the problem. So, so yeah, I personally felt that um, I was absolutely fine. Um, so. For them to reduce the contract in terms of the length of years just kind of demonstrates that maybe that they don't don't see you as a long term uh, player at the club. So it was just those kind of feelings um, mm. that delayed things, and then they brought in Jamie O'Hara. So then you're thinking that they're definitely looking replacement. Uh, replacement. So yeah, it was a sad end really because I certainly didn't want to leave. It was just those concerns about uh, playing. And being being uh, considered to play centre midfield for as many games as possible, and so yeah, it was just 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 sad that the length of contract was reduced, and like it showed their intentions maybe concerned for the injury, which I understand. You know, I'm not. Yeah. You know, I've been lucky that it hasn't affected me at all um, throughout my career. You know, because of how I've worked and uh, physios I've worked with, but uh, yeah, so. Just one of those moments in football that um, just happen and you have to move on. So, yeah, really disappointing to, as I said, I had a great relationship with the fans, with the local area, really enjoyed living there and, and the players as well uh, with my friends. So, a uh, difficult time for me to move on. Glad to hear that. Yeah, I'd assume, <clears throat> was it your agent that dealt with most of that, David? Who, who did the contract dealings? Was it McCarthy or was it under someone like Jez, Jez Moxie? Yeah, who's the who's the chief exec at the time, which was uh, which was uh, Jez. Jez. Uh, Jez. <laughs> yeah. so, I'd love to get Jez on for an interview, by the way, because his time at Wolves would be amazing. But I don't think he would do it either. Not a chance. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> well, yeah, but even my relationship with Jez was really good. Mm. You know, and, and who knows what information he was getting from in terms of my injury with from yeah. physios and things like that. And he was just dealing with facts, so. You know, he, he he's you know, such I don't know what the what the feeling is towards him from fans and things, but he's you know, brilliant yeah. in his job in terms of in terms of how Game he does. He's a businessman. Yeah, he's a businessman He's a astute yeah. businessman, but I think that was where fans I don't know, fans don't see it as a business, do they? They see it as their passion. Yeah. Yeah, you can no. you can you can understand yeah. them both. So but yeah, in yeah, terms yeah. of our relationship with Jazz you know, we got on really well. Uh, still now, uh, still now would do. Um, so yeah, there was no, there was no bad feeling. It, it was just one of disappointment that I had to leave the club. Yeah, that's really sad to hear that you wanted you wanted to stay, and obviously you didn't feel like the contract that once a goalpost had been moved that Wolves didn't value as much as you would have hoped. Which it's never nice to hear, is it? But would you say that you look back on your time at Wolves with, with really fond memories? Anyway, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. You know, even talking now with uh, Carl um, and, you know, even even you know my wife. My wife wasn't my wife then, um, but she yeah. has really fond memories of me being at Wolves and spending time with players and, you know, um, the players' wives as well. 
so yeah like maybe i was more social back then yeah. <laughs> than you thought <laughs> i'm gonna say you made out like you never went out David, but it sounds like you had a great time <laughs> when you were when you were playing in the prem and we, we've asked Sammy Greg Alford and Matt Jarvis. And there's going to be loads of players, but who was the one player or a couple of players that you played against where you thought like he's a he's the he's a level above? Played against while I was at Wolves. Uh, yeah, no, or, during or your time in the club, prim. really, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Um well one one player that springs to mind in terms of head to head kind of midfield battle is I trained with him and also played against him and it was Paul Scholes. Um, so, Scholes, he was a player that he was always trying to be, uh, he's overcome his opponents. He was great on the 1v1. So, he would, he would be so unpredictable. So, as a midfielder, I'm looking to either close down his space and he'd be the master at trying to find space. And he'd do that in a number of ways. He'd you know, he was so sharp. He'd, he'd he'd suck you in as a midfielder, and then and then play quickly and change the tempo. Um, he'd go to make a forward run. You go to follow him. He'd look at where your head's looking. It looks away for a second. And he'd pull back, and then he'd be in ten yards of space. So those kind of things, little little things that I learned from him in training that he'd be doing on the pitch. So you never knew with with skulls like what he wanted to do he always varied it always kept you guessing so that's why as a midfielder or any position on the pitch to be unpredictable is so key and to be able to think about the game and how to get the better of your opponent and you know as, as I sort of go into a little bit of coaching these days they're the big things that I sometimes see missing from the game now is that ability to be able to vary and dominate you 1v1 all over the pitch yeah, after after your time at Wolves, you moved on to Wigan, played for Burnley, Sheffield Wednesday, and up until I think previously Oldham Athletic. Have you have you got a, a, as fond of memories at those other clubs as you have at Wolves? I know you've, you've been at Burnley the longest, haven't you? In terms of appearances made, yeah, um, you know, the time at Wigan, I learned learned a lot from Roberto Martinez. You know, very good coach, tactical coach. Um, was there a couple of years and enjoyed that. But at Burnley, um, yeah, I managed to get that feeling back that what I had at Wolves, um, you know, it felt like a club um, that was that was on the rise. Um, the culture that the manager created, again, the fan base was excellent, um, and again, felt uh, felt felt I was in the right place for that right time in my career, and really enjoyed. My three seasons there, getting a couple of promotions in a season in the Premier League. So, so yeah, um, have really fond memories of that time as well. I was going to say, uh, David, what does the the sort of future hold for you now? I mean, is it coaching, punditry? I mean, the way you spoke to us today, I mean, I can see, like like you mentioned, just coaching is possibly a future path. I think with the way we've spoke sort of technically today, but is punditry coaching or are you still hoping still to possibly... Play. He still wants uh, to play. I was, well, was going to say, well, do you reckon you've got a few more years in your left on the pitch? He's only well, in, in terms of playing, um, I'm still keeping myself fit. Um, yeah. That's for sure. And I definitely feel like I don't want to, um, you know, officially, yeah, you know, almost, let yeah. the playing days come to, to come to an end because I do feel really fit and I'm still mm. working hard on a daily basis to maintain that fitness. But mm. also, you know, with the opportunities haven't been there for me, you know, since leaving Sheffield Wednesday, really 18 months or so ago or a bit longer. So, so 
I have to be, um, you know, one eye on the on the future, and I'm trying to do a number of things. So I'm doing my coaching badges and trying to get as much experience as I can in coaching. I came into Wolves actually about six months ago with Carl Henry oh, wow. to have a look at their, you know, the setup there and chat to a few coaches and see see how they go about things in their academy. Um, I'm currently doing some stuff at Burnley on the coaching side. Um, Media-wise, I'm um, doing a lot of work with MUTV, actually. Yeah. Um, so that's enjoyable, really enjoying that. And I'm doing a degree in uh, sporting directorship as well. So uh, that's um, kind of giving me a taste of the business side of football um, that I haven't experienced and giving you know, me some education to be able to step into maybe a, a role off the pitch as well. So I'm just kind of experiencing a lot of things to see where, you know, my passion lies. Because as a footballer, I've been lucky to have that passion taken care of for 20 years. So yeah. certainly what I go into next, I want to try and get that passion in whatever I do. Are you still, is it, am I right in thinking you were training with Barrow? I was. Um, yeah. That was due to, uh, well, location really. It's not too far away from where I live because they train in uh, near Manchester. Um, yeah, how, how how was are you, are you not training there any, anymore? No, I'm not training there anymore. No. Oh. With um with, with with the stuff you got going on, you're doing you you A for B. Well, you've done your A for B. Is that is that correct? Um, I've got my assessment on Friday actually. <laughs> Look, hopefully, hopefully it's done. Yeah. Yeah, and um, you're doing 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 your media work and obviously studying. Yeah. Uh, I know it's early days, but is there any one of those at the minute where you think like that? career path is edging it for me, whether that be the punditry or the, the senior management or, or the coaching? Well, I'm enjoying all three, really, of what I'm doing. And yeah. as I said, but, but we, I've really put myself, immersed myself in the coaching and I do feel like I've got something to offer, but also a passion for it. To see the development of players, you know, whether or not, I don't know what age group or, or what level, whether or not it's a first team role for me, but I just want to get good at what I'm doing. So I know there's no, I don't want to take any shortcuts with it. I want to get experience. I want to learn from the best coaches and, and the best clubs of how they do things. And hopefully with my experience as a player, as well as the education I'm getting through the coaching badges and also the, the directorship um, uh, degree, I think those will all uh, play a part in the, uh, in me developments as a coach. So, um, so yeah, I, I do feel at the moment that that's probably where, where I am in terms of I'm really enthusiastic, really passionate about developing players and, and learning as much as you can. So it's possibly yeah. that, that may be the route, but you know, I'm keeping my options open. Yeah. That, I mean, even speaking to you today, David, obviously you play football at the highest level, but it's just fascinating hearing just the way that you talk about the game but don't just talk about it like we hear normal pundits. There's actually rationale behind the stuff <laughs> you're saying. It, it, honestly, it's, it, it's so refreshing. But I'm conscious of the time, Dave, and I want to want to let you get off and watch the rest of the um, the, uh, the the Chelsea game. Um, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure, and I, I've, this has been one of the most interesting interviews I've ever done. I, I've really really enjoyed it. So really appreciate you coming on. Are you on social media at the minute? And, and if so, where can people find you if you are? Um, well. I am on Twitter. I am on Twitter, but I haven't actually ever tweeted anything. Um, Jack Oatley, um, another Wolves 
fan, obviously. Yeah, yeah. She uh, said that I need some online presence. So it is something that I want to probably start using. But in terms of people getting hold of me, they're not going to get hold of me on that. <laughs> if you want any help with it, let us know. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll be sure. Well, as soon yeah. as you get on there, we'll be sure to give you okay. some promotion. But, uh, okay. <laughs> we'll help you out. But like I say, it's been an absolute pleasure. Dave, I'm sure you've enjoyed it as much as yeah. I have. Yeah, Do you exactly. want to close? You want to close the show, Dave? Because you're you're better at doing all the out intros and outros. <laughs> no, <laughs> no problem. Yeah, like you said, David, been fantastic. Obviously, for for, for ourselves, obviously we're looking into the media world. I do a bit of coaching as well, so the whole conversation was was, was great. To be fair, so yeah, if uh, everybody anybody enjoyed it today, be sure obviously to hit the like button if you if you're watching on YouTube and subscribe to the channel and let us know where uh, some of your favourite David Jones memories at Wolves in the comment section down below. But uh, until next time, we'll see you all very very soon.